He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. bow your heads, let's pray. Father, we have come before your word, your word that can transform us and make us more like you. I pray that the entrance of your word will bring light into our lives and chase all the darkness out. I pray that you will cleanse this vessel, let your mercy be on this vessel, and use me to bless all lives represented here. Thank you for answered prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 6. I want to speak to you about blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the merciful. Luke chapter 6. Verse 36. Can I have my message Bible? It's somewhere in there. It's very windy this afternoon. Look, it's nice. Look, chapter 6, verse 36. The reason why I hold a mic, you know, we have a, a cordless mic that we use for the office, but I don't like it because I feel lonely on the stage and nervous. But when I have this, I feel I have a companion. Amen, ladies. I've shared a secret. Luke chapter 6. Are you there? I'll first of all read from the Message Bible because I like the way it puts it. Reading from verse 35. I tell you, love your enemies. Help and give without expecting a return. You will never, I promise, regret it. Live out this God-created identity the way our Father lives towards us, generously and graciously. Even when we are at our worst, our Father is kind. You be kind. Verse 37, don't pick on people. Don't jump on their failures. Criticize their faults, unless, of course, you want the same treatment. Don't condemn those who are down. That hardness can boomerang. Be easy on people you'll find life a lot easier. Give away your life. You'll find life giving back, but not merely giving back. Giving back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets generosity. Amen. I was very excited about how the Message Bible took it, put it. But Luke chapter 6, verse 36 speaks about being merciful. Before it does, it says, love your enemies. 
So first of all, you have to recognize the category of people that are your enemies. Category number one, okay? Love your enemies. And lend expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you'll be sons of the Most High. For he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Then 36 is the verse you are looking for. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Now what does mercy mean? We say that grace means undeserved favor, isn't it? Something you don't deserve that comes to you, like salvation. The grace of God which brings salvation has appeared unto all men, the Bible says. Now mercy is not giving to the person the judgment that he deserves. Amen? Grace is receiving something that you shouldn't get. And mercy is not receiving what you should get for your actions. Amen. Am I true? So when somebody has done something to you, the only thing that you can extend to the person is mercy. Because what it is is that it is true that the person has goofed. It is true that the person has rubbed you the wrong way. It is true that the person has been unfair. But mercy steps in and says that in spite of all that you have done, mercy will just cover. Amen. And God has shown that mercy to you and I. In 1 Peter 1.3 says that God has shown us mercy and begotten us to a lively hope. Hallelujah. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Hallelujah. God has great mercy. And that great mercy has caused you to be born again today. If you look at the things that you have done, you don't deserve to even relate to God. We all don't deserve to relate to God. Shopsaki was saying that I was a Christian from the age of six, so it means I'm holy, far from it. I am earthen vessel. I'm an earthen vessel. Amen. Subject to all the shakings and the whatever of this life. And by the way, I got born again at the age of nine. But then when I got to secondary school, I tried to be a guy. And then that one too didn't work. Thank God it didn't work anyway. But God's mercy reached out to me. I think that God's grace sustained me. Because for many years, I was the only Christian in my home and my family. You know, and I could have gone either way. But I don't know. Sometimes you don't know how to explain it. But God just had mercy on me and brought me to that place. Now, many Christians, we refuse to show mercy. Even though great mercy has caused us to be born again. When we are extending mercy to another person, we don't extend great mercy. But mercy is one of the things that the Bible says that if you want to get it, sow it. Galatians 6, 9 says, whatever a man sows, he will reap. But with the grace of God, sometimes you sow so many things, but you don't reap it, isn't it? You have aborted many babies, thrown them away, but you don't reap it. God just blesses you and gives you the fruit of the womb. You have destroyed so many marriages, but God just blesses you 
and gives you a mind out of mercy. Because he doesn't judge you by the rules. Amen. And it's that same mercy that God is saying that. Be merciful. Even as your heavenly father is merciful. Now we say that we are like him. Amen. We say we are conformed to his image. But sometimes in the area of mercy, we are not like him. We may be like him in other areas. But in the area of mercy, we are not like him. Come with me to John chapter 8. Be merciful, even as your heavenly father is merciful. Amen. Are we there? Blessed are the merciful. Are you at John chapter 8? My things are flying about. Hey, I'm walking in Luke. Sorry. John chapter 8. Reading from verse 3. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. And having set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. What then do you say? And they were saying this, testing him, in order that they might have grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground. But when they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And when they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones. And he was left alone, and the woman where she was in the midst. And straightening up, Jesus said to her, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go your way. From now on, sin no more. Hallelujah. Now, this is a very well-known story as usual. When you look at the passage from verse 3, it was the scribes and the Pharisees who brought a woman caught in adultery. You see, in the law of evidence, when you are tendering evidence, when it's hearsay, there are certain criteria you have to meet. When it's corroboration, just things that happened around that you are using to corroborate your evidence is different. But when you are caught in the act, that one, the evidence is against you because there were witnesses, credible witnesses, more than one. And they can all testify. If you put them in the dock, they all have the same story that you were caught. You know? And these were Pharisees and scribes who have learned the law. And they brought the woman. And not only did they bring her, they set her in the midst. They usually put you in a place of shame, a place of humiliation, a place where you, are, you feel devalued so that everybody will know. Sometimes it's not even how to cope with your fall or your condemnation. But public opinion destroys you more than even what you are going through. So when they bring you and they set you in the midst, it's not an easy thing. 
And they said to him, teacher, you have been teaching. You have been teaching from the law and saying all sorts of things. Teacher. Listen, that's how they refer to you. Let's see if you will apply your teaching skills. So, teacher, this woman was caught in the midst of adultery. And Moses commanded us, in law, you have to quote the section of the law to buttress what you are saying. So if you are saying the person committed murder, or the person stole, or the person defrauded by false pretenses, you have to quote the criminal code, Act 29. You see, section this and that, the person did this. Moses commanded us that anybody that's caught in adultery, the person should not live. And the Bible says, when they came, Jesus was writing, and he ignored them because he's not interested in sorting you out. He's not interested in bringing you to nothing so that it's like, you are so bad, you are so, you don't deserve it. No, he's not interested in that. So many times when the accuser brings the things, he ignores the accuser. Because he knows that it's just a falter in your work with him. It's just because you haven't met him yet. You haven't, you don't have even the power to overcome. He understands so many things. So his mercy just covers your multitude of sins. And when they said to him, they said, Moses commanded by law that anybody who is caught in the act must be put to death. And Jesus continued to write. But the Bible says, when they persisted. You see, sometimes God knows your somewhereness. He knows all your issues. And so as you keep not showing mercy and being some way, he just continues to write or do whatever he's doing. But when you persist, then he has to sort you out and bring out your issues. And that is when you fall out of God's mercy. So the Bible says that when they persisted, he lifted up his head and said, okay, it's sorting out time. He who is without sin, let him be the first to throw the stone. Many of us religious leaders would have said, you caught her where? At what time? Tender your statement. She did what? Really? At what time? of the, You are like a lawyer taking his brief. What happened? This, and even lawyers, before you even speak, they have charged you already. They say consultation fee. Before you even come and say what you are saying. And then they begin to write about what you are saying. When Jesus lifted his head, it wasn't to take a brief. It wasn't to find evidence against us. It wasn't to make his case more cogent. It was just to release us into his mercy. Hallelujah. Unfortunately, the woman was caught in the act. Nobody commits adultery alone. Amen, ladies. Adultery is committed between two people who have no marital covenant between them. But when they were bringing the person, they brought the woman and they left the man who is the culprit. And the men pointed fingers at her that we caught her in the act. You caught them. Where is the other prisoner? Why have you brought only one? The crime is committed by two. But when it comes to condemnation and whatever, you bring one. Women are always suffering under that condemnation. 
we are always set in the mist, fully. I think one of the reasons too is that we look so innocent and so sweet and so holy. Even me, I'm a woman. But yesterday when we went for the ladies' high ball at the restaurant, and I saw how all the ladies looked nice and they were being so gracious. Oh, mommy. Oh, sister, mommy. I said, how can evil come from a vessel like this? Even me. How much more? The people that are so attracted to us that we are a problem to them. How much more? How can they see through? Because even me, a woman, I said, oh, I'm in such graciousness. Such poise. How can evil come out of it? But the woman was set in the midst. And Jesus said, where are those thine accusers? And she said, Lord, since you sorted them out, they've gone. You see, Jesus doesn't talk a lot. You did this. You did that. You did, it's Satan who talks a lot. Lord, if uh, Job, if he, you know why he saves you? It's because of this. Uh, you do this and see. That God doesn't talk a lot. See? If you are without sin, throw the stone. Then he's writing his thing. But Satan has scripts and scripts to say about you. He loves you because this. He does this because that. God is not like that. And then he tells the woman, where are those thine accusers? And she says, Lord, Nobody is accusing me anymore because you have set the record straight. And then Jesus says to her, neither do I. I who am sinless, I who am spotless, neither do I condemn you. Go. But most of us, we stop at the go. But he said, and sin no more. Mercy is supposed to bring us to the place where we sin no more. But in the church of God, sin is fashionable. Hallelujah. When you dress and you show your breast, it's fashionable, but it is not godly. Go and sin no more. Go and return to your vomit no more. Go and do things differently. In Jesus' name. Amen. There's no difference between us and the world. One brother was sitting in the congregation. And they said, turn round. And give an offering to the person next to you, if the person doesn't have. And being a very generous brother, he gave a very generous offering to the sister. No, you have started to rub his thighs in the church of God. What is your number? And this, go and sin no more. If you have met Jesus, he doesn't let you remain the same. His mercy changes you. His mercy brings you to repentance. Hallelujah. The only form of repentance in the church of God now is mercy. Forgive. Mercy should change you. Mercy should liberate you to become the woman God wants you to be. Mercy should change your life. Amen. We have factions in the church. This one belongs to this camp. This one belongs to this camp. I went to one church. They said that every pastor's wife has her own uh, uh, cronies, her own party in the church. How can there be unity? Because if you don't flow with this, then you flow with that. So as everybody thinks everything is normal, we know that all is not normal. Go and sin no more. There are people who stand here. We stand to minister. We stand to do all sorts of things. And yet, we are fully breaking people's marriages. And even when we are asked, we say, yes, lady pastor, yes, I did it. Yes. 
It's in retaliation of whatever. The church of God has become like the world. No wonder Jesus said that because iniquity shall abound. Iniquity will grow. Sin will grow so much. The love of many people will grow cold. They will say that this one she sinned, but she married. This one she sinned, but she's blessed. This one she lives anyhow, but she's okay. So iniquity is abounding. And then your love begins to grow cold. It's not worth being faithful to God. It's not worth being a godly woman. But our standard is not the world. Our standard is not the people around us. Our standard is God. Hallelujah. When God shows us mercy, it is so that we will go and we will sin no more. When God does not condemn us, it's so that we will go and we will sin no more. Amen, ladies. I mean, our lives are in shambles. There's no fear of God in the church. We fear men. You don't want the pastors to know what you are doing. You are so afraid. You work at it. You cover it. You do this. You do. But when is God? Who sees everything? Because the Bible says all things are naked unto him with whom we have to do. But his mercy is to make us so grateful that we have to say, Lord, I offer my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you which is a reasonable service. I beseech you by the mercies of God, by the mercies of God that you present your body. The mercy of God should make you present your body. And when you present your body, you put something on the altar. It means you crucify it. It's not that you don't want to smooch with that brother. You do, but you crucify it. Yesterday, somebody gave me I slept during the question and answer time. I said, Lady Pastor, we are in night house. We fornicate every week. Every week without fear. We are not married. We fornicate. What should we do? Marry. The Bible says it's better to marry than to burn. You are fornicating every week. Every week. Because we follow the desires of the flesh. I beseech you, Paul said, I beg. I entreat you by the mercies of God that you present. No angel will come and present it. No pastor can present your body for you. Your husband cannot present your body for you. You have to present your body. A living sacrifice. It's a sacrifice, but it lives every day. So every day you continue to sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God. Which is, what's, what reasonable thing can this woman do? To retain God's favor. What reasonable thing can she do but to offer her body as a living sacrifice? Your body is the temple of God. You have made it a marketplace, a lotto kiosk, all sorts of things. It is a temple. It is not a lotto kiosk. It is not a... Those people, space to space. It is the temple of the living God. God dwells there. The light of God was what fellowship has light with darkness. Amen, choir. We want to see you offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Say amen, choir. You know, the presiding bishop was saying that we should try on Tuesday not to be stumbling blocks. The Bible says temptations are sure to come, but woe to them by whom? Or through whom they come. So that it would be better if a heavy cement stone was cast around your neck and you were drowned in the sea. What could be better? 
to drown in the sea is better than that you should cause any of God's people to fall. Hallelujah. I have seen people, there's a lady pastor, I'm coming with the king. There's a girl in your church. I'm coming to whip her because she's disturbing my marriage. I thought that you would rather bring them to Christ. I thought that your life rather would be a testimony. The mercy of God is to bring us to repentance. Hallelujah. Then God says to us, be merciful, even as your heavenly father is merciful. Lamentations chapter 3. I'm sure you don't know where it is. Lament- <laughs> Lamentations chapter 3. You go to the Old Testament, Jeremiah areas, do you see? You don't know Lamentations, but you know all the things you are saying on Peace FM. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22, and reading on. Are you there? I want the King James. Yeah. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. Amen. I'm talking about being merciful. And I'm saying that as God has shown us mercy, it's also our reasonable service to live for him. And then after that, mercy is something that can safeguard your being consumed. I have learned to pray for God's mercy to cover me because of this verse. It says that it is of the mercies of God that we are not consumed. It's not by our might. It is not by the things we have put in place. It is not by our planning and our strategies. But it is by the mercies of God that we are not consumed. And that's why when somebody is traveling, you say, journey mercies. Because it is by his mercies that the person will not be consumed. Hallelujah. And therefore, if you become merciful, you make yourself a good candidate to avoid consumption or being destroyed. Amen. Because he says, be merciful, and then you obtain mercy. When you obtain mercy, that mercy stops you from being consumed or destroyed or degenerating. So why wouldn't you walk in mercy? So that the mercy of God will also cover you. Amen. You see, there are so many things we pray about that God has told us that if you do this, this will just happen. You see, I was preaching the first service. All things work together for good to them that love God and are called and just love him and then all things will work together for good. But if there's no love, it's not going to work. All things will be scattered about, but working together for good is for those who love him. If you are not in the service, do get the message so that pastors will have less work to do. Amen. So it is of the mercies of God that we are not consumed. Many times we think that, you know, we go to all sorts of places, we receive all sorts of testimonies, and we think that it's because of this, or it's because of that, but God's mercy preserves you. God's mercy, because sometimes you've sinned, but you don't even know you've sinned. You have done terrible things with just your comment that you made, but you can't even see it. You don't even know to even confess it, but his mercies can cover you. And one of the ways to come into his mercies is by being merciful. Amen. Don't worry, I'm ending soon. 
The mercy of God also brings miracles into your life. Luke chapter 1, verse 57 to 58. Luke chapter 1. Now Elizabeth's full time came that she should be delivered. And she brought forth a son. And her neighbors and her cousins heard how what? The Lord had shown great mercy upon her. And they rejoiced with her. Elizabeth had been barren for a long time. She was old. The Bible says stricken with years. But the Bible says her full time came that she should be delivered. And her neighbors and her cousins heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy. When you walk in mercy, a certain kind of miracle comes your way that maybe it's even past the season. And many times we say, oh, they were blameless before God. They were, all oh, that is true. But maybe among the blamelessness was the walk of mercy or being merciful. And so when they heard, they saw that she has given birth. This old woman, the Bible says this, they, they came because they heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy. If you want great mercy upon your life, if you want great mercy in areas of your life, be merciful. Because blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Hallelujah. Those things that you have been fasting for, those things that you have been moving from prophet to prophet about, perhaps your life and work of mercy will turn things around. It will just bring great mercy in your direction. It will just bring great mercy upon your life. And a miracle that according to man cannot happen will come your way. And not only will that miracle come your way, your neighbors and your cousins will hear about it. And they will identify the mercy of God upon your life. Be merciful. Even as your Father in heaven is merciful. James chapter 2 verse 13. And I'm ending. Fear not. James 2.13. For he shall have judgment without mercy. That hath showed no mercy. And mercy rejoiceth against judgment. Bible says mercy triumphs over judgment. Hallelujah. Sometimes we don't know what to do as Christians. I said, but Lady Pastor, he did it. Lady Pastor, my husband, you should hear him, how he insults me. He's more than neighbor. The way he behaves, the beastliness. Lady Reverend, you don't know how she spoke about me, how she maligned me. She destroyed my life. She destroyed my promotion at work. All those things are true. Your judgment is true, but there's something that triumphs and high jumps over the judgment, and that thing is called mercy. The Bible says mercy triumphs, triumphs, wins over judgment. So yes, he did it. Yes, she's really some way. Yes, she has a very bad intention. Yes, she has a very bad mind. Yes, he repaid you even when he shouldn't have repaid you for it. That's the judgment. It's true. We have gone for judgment and everything. We believe that it's true. You see, one day we had a murder case, Bishop Saki and I. <laughs> then we have something we call ad- <laughs> we call ad- addresses. So Bishop Saki has to address the jury. And our boss was traveling, so <laughs> <laughs> he 
He went through the case with us. Okay, so what are the cases you are going to use to, you know, addresses that case has ended. <laughs> the man was in his farm and somebody else had come and attacked him and then he had retaliated with a cutlass and slashed the person through the middle. So all the intestines gushed out. So our defense as defense lawyers was that it was um, self-defense. Now, in law, self-defense should not go beyond a certain point. Do you understand? If you are defending yourself, hit the person for the person to fall or be immobilized. But where you slack, then you continue to beat the person. You are in a crime. You, you can easily go to jail. You see? So, it's like when he hit him once and the person fell, he shouldn't have gone ahead to cut him like that. That's what the law says. So, our defense was that, you know, the man must have panicked and also the, the, the fear, the threat was real and all that. And he was the only one in the farm. There's nobody to give evidence, only these people, a lot of things. So we thought that we would win the case. But... So Bishop Saki came and gave his addresses. But he said that if the, <laughs> if the court relies only on evidence from this side, then it's tantamount to this. We're new lawyers. So he took paper. He started to tear it. He thought that he was doing hey, 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 law. <laughs> so I was sitting at the bar. I said, Yes, we are going to win this case. Go for it, eat. And when they brought the judgment, we had lost Porto. <laughs> so I said to him, By you two, why do you go and stand there, tear paper and things? It's not a film, it's real. So judgment was given against us and there was nothing we could do. The prisoner was sentenced to life imprisonment. There was nothing that we could do. Sometimes when I go to the prison, I wonder if he's there or he has been pardoned by President Kufo. But that judgment was declared. Look, that night, I got to know that I can't do criminal law. When I sleep, I'll see the man behind bars. I had a nightmare. I got malaria. After that, I said, no more. Criminal law, I can't do it. But yours truly... He pressed on. But judgment was given, and there was nothing that could be done. Just an appeal, in spite of the paper, the theatrics, eh, we lost. Later, when we grew up as lawyers, then we used to laugh that it was a very infantile style of... But the judgment had been given, but there's something called God's mercy, which is like a presidential pardon. That is when you don't deserve it. When the judgment is against you, mercy triumphs over that judgment. <laughs> Hallelujah. Some of you are here this morning. You don't speak to your mother. You don't speak to your auntie. She did this. She, somebody said she brought concoctions. She was, you know, somebody told me my aunt brought concoctions gave some to us, did so she wants to destroy our family. So such a person, how can you relate to her? Of course, you don't have to allow certain things, but mercy can triumph over judgment. Your mother didn't look after you. I have met many in this church whose mothers didn't look after them. Did not look for them. Mothers, I was surprised because I didn't know mothers. I mean, I know fathers, but not mothers. But today, let mercy triumph against your judgment. Let mercy triumph against the things that are really wrong. 
that have gone on against you. And I believe that God will bless you for that. Amen. And finally, the Bible says his mercies are renewed every morning. You know why it's renewed every morning? Because you blow it every morning. You fail every morning. You miss it every morning. And therefore, he has to renew his mercies every morning. The Bible says his mercies never come to an end. His mercies never fail. How come you, your mercy, was it's okay. Now that I've reached there, it's okay. I can't, I can't, I can't stand it anymore. It's okay. But his mercies never cease. And not only that, every morning he comes to you to renew his mercy towards you. Now, if we want this kind of mercy to come to us, then we should be merciful so that our heavenly father will also be merciful to us. Daughter, be merciful. Stand to your feet, please. Blessed are the merciful. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. abundant in mercies. You are a God who shows great mercy. We pray for every life represented here. Show us mercy, Lord. Let your mercy cover us, Lord. Let your mercy deliver us from being consumed, Lord. Let your great mercy bring miracles into the lives of your people, O God. Let your mercy triumph over every judgment and handwriting against us, O God. And above all, let your mercies be renewed towards us in accordance with your word. Thank you, Holy Spirit, and give us merciful hearts, Lord. The Word of God says, let us therefore come boldly, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, to the throne of grace, that we may find mercy. Mercy is found at the throne of, throne of grace, that we may find mercy and grace to help in time of need. The throne of, the, of grace is a place to come to for mercy. We want to ask God, make me abundant in mercy. Make me merciful so that the benefits of your mercy will come to me. Great is thy faith, oh 
Jesus as your personal savior. You want to say, Lady Reverend, I've done many things wrong, but this afternoon, I want to take advantage of God's mercy. I'm not sure whether I'll go to heaven or hell when I die. I want to be sure. I want to make things straight with God. I want God's mercy to reach me. If you are like that here in the congregation, I want you to lift up your hands high above your shoulder, wherever you are standing. Forget about who is on your left or who is on your right. Let your hand go up. Every head bowed and every eye closed. You want to say, Lady Reverend, pray for me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to be sure whether I'll go to heaven or hell when I die. I want to start all over again. I want God's mercy to come to us. God bless you. I see your hands. Let them go up. Let them go high up. God bless you. God bless you. You've lifted up your hands. Take one more step. Please come forward to where I'm standing. Come to me where I'm standing so that I can lead you to Jesus. Come to Jesus wherever you are standing. Come, respond to the master's call. Respond to the master's call. Come, we are waiting for you. We are waiting for you. Don't miss this opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life, to make a difference in your life. Come and give your life to Jesus. Come and receive God's After me, but let it be your own personal prayer that you are praying to God this afternoon. You want to say, Lord Jesus, this afternoon I come to you just as I am. Please take my life and be the Lord of my life. Thank you for your finished work on the cross. Thank you for rising from the dead so that I may have eternal life. Jesus, come into my life. Take over and be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi or meet her on Facebook at Rev. Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.